Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola. I'm here with Leif Johnson. Howdy. Today we're doing a special edition of the show where we feature your hot takes from the Macworld social media feeds. The hot takes are your reactions to Macworld stories and other happenings in the world of Apple. We'll share what you wrote, and Leif and I will offer our thoughts. So here's how today's show will work. We'll explain the uh, subject at hand. If the hot take is a reaction to an article, we'll offer a brief summary and the point of view of that article. If the take is a reaction to a recent event, we'll explain what happened, just to give everyone a bit of context. We'll introduce the hot take with the poster's name and where it was posted. And then finally, we'll read the hot take and then we'll talk about it. You can see the hot take postings in the show notes for this podcast on Macworld.com. We'll also link to the original social media post. So how does that sound? Sound good? That sounds good. All right, let's get into this. Here we go. The first topic and set of hot takes is in reaction to an article we posted about how Apple should use the new Pixel 3a as inspiration for a new iPhone SE type phone. And for those who weren't paying attention last week or don't pay attention to Google and Android, the Pixel 3a is Google's new affordable phone, and it has a starting price of $399, so it's pretty, pretty affordable. Nice, yeah. yeah, that's a, I don't want to say cheap, because cheap sometimes implies poor quality. Yeah. So it's an affordable phone. Mm-hmm. We had several reactions to this particular article. On Twitter, at MKGuitar says that he's an SE user. Why he's an SE user? Mostly because of size. It fits in his pocket and never falls out. Because of the headphone jack, he uses it every day while charging. And then he, uh, it says in all caps, he's pretty adamant that he will not carry a dongle. On Twitter, at Solichone, that's, <laughs> he uh, tweeted in reaction, I wonder why I should upgrade from my iPhone SE to the XR to show off a dongle? <laughs> so I guess there are some people out there who still want a headphone jack. Well, you know, the the appeal, you know, uh, of that is, you know, the, the you know, like the the Google one is a very different thing, but I got I got thoughts on the headphone jack. Like, <laughs> you know, I I've said this kind of stuff on here before. I don't dislike the people who want a headphone jack, and I I, I kind of understand that appeal of being able to put a pair of headphones in and know they're going to work even if you're away from a battery charger a long time, but I just I can't help but feel that people aren't giving things like Bluetooth, you know, earbuds or airpods a big enough chance uh the main problem i had this is this is a big problem the main problem i had with wired headphones when i used them all is that they were always getting caught on (laughs) doorknobs and stuff like that and you know and i would you know have like hit my hand on my chest or something and then i would accidentally yank out and and then you know and if it gets oh on crowded subways someone's hand or something you know would accidentally get caught in there so then of course they pull their hand back and yank out the headphones that hurts and, uh, you know, since I've switched to, to Bluetooth and, you know, I have to admit neither of mine are particularly cheap, the AirPods, which I'm sorry, are pretty affordable for, you know, wireless earbuds. Um, you, if you compare the prices, they're pretty nice. And uh, then the Bose QuietComfort 35s, which is an entirely different story. But, uh, but yeah, this kind of stuff never happens with those. So, yeah, I, I get it. And... I get it too, but at the same time, like you said, there's wireless technology, and I guess you have you have some people who are admin in the fact that 
wired headphones sound better than wireless headphones. My yeah. my my hearing's not good enough to know the difference. Right? <laughs> yeah. And as far as carrying a dongle, I don't see the big deal of it. I mm-hmm. I don't understand. I understand the big deal in terms of like you want to have access to that port, yeah. and if you have a dongle, you can't access the port. But other than that, okay, so I need a dongle to plug in my earphones. I don't see a stigma attached to it, but I guess there is. Here's the know. big secret, guys, and I did this for like a year <laughs> and stuff. You keep the dongle attached to the your headphones. Yeah, you, it's like you don't have to do it separate. You just keep it plugged into the headphones the entire time. I did that for like a year, and it was not a problem. Yeah, I mean, if you're adamant, you're dead set on it. Just keep the dongle attached to the you know the jack on the headphones, and that's yeah. I, I like never took it off, and it never fell off. So yeah. This is in regards to the current iPhone SE. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that a new iPhone SE would have a headphone jack? Yeah. It, it may not. It probably won't. Right. I, I don't think it will. But, you know, I, I know the. I would say, I don't think, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've ever actually did this, but I think a lot of the main reason why they do it is to really be able to play home that waterproofing. Now, I know like the Galaxy and stuff manages to have good waterproofing even with a headphone jack, and I think they do it through some rubber rings and stuff but it, it's not you know it'll never be as foolproof as what apple has done to my knowledge and uh that's a big thing i think probably it's not necessarily that apple has trouble waterproofing a headphone jack uh-huh. it's it's one less thing to worry about if they don't include it true mm-hmm. so maybe we, there are also a couple of facebook comments about this particular article uh, brian mcmichael said on facebook that this is a great idea for apple i have an se and when I get a new phone, I will not carry anything larger than an SE in my pocket. And I would like to stay with Apple, but not for a high price. Um, then a user named Genghis Green <laughs> uh, on Facebook said that I just bought a brand new iPhone SE directly from the Apple store about a month ago. I don't know if a month ago called right, it's brand, brand new. Yes. <laughs> it is perfectly adequate as is because I don't care about the crazy features that seem to hypnotize many buyers. I'm not dumb enough to store my personal and financial information or my photos and videos on my phone, by the way. So 32 gigabytes is enough. So I understand if you essentially want a bare bones phone phone where you just want to use that as a communication device and you don't want to keep personal information for privacy reasons. I get that. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, I don't know how many people do that though. That's I think that's a small minority of, of the agree. user base. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Well, the reason, and this is kind of what Mike was saying, is Mike was making the point in his article that uh, you really that the cool thing about this, it is a new Pixel phone. It is not sticking like an you know a new processor in an older phone. It is a new Google phone that is priced at three hundred and ninety nine dollars. Where I see this as being a big advantage for Apple is, you know, in like other markets, overseas markets, where they do, I guess India would be a, a, you know, one of them, where they try to focus on older phones a lot. And this would be a good way to do that. It was like, here, you're still getting a new phone, but it's not, you know, the crazy expensive, crazy big thing. And I, I know a lot of people in overseas markets do prefer those small phones. And I know they're worried about, China going down, you know, that sells from that and stuff like that. To me, releasing something like this would be a really good way to get back into that game. And uh, 
it's a gamble, of course, because it's like, what if people really prefer that over our expensive, super expensive phones and yeah. stuff? But uh, that's where I, you know, I think that's where Mike made a really important point that it's, it is basically a new Google phone, all the features, but like you said, we don't want to use this word, but dirt cheap. I mean, three ninety nine, you dirt cheap for a phone, but yeah, compared to what you know, talking on Apple scale. Yeah, I think there is a market. I mean, we have Dan Masuelka, who's our video producer mm-hmm. here. He's into smaller phones. He was kind of forced to use a bigger phone because the trend by all phone makers, not just mm-hmm. uh, Apple, is to go with bigger sized phones. As you were saying, in international markets, there's the demand for smaller phones that is bigger than it is in the U.S. So mm-hmm. it feels like there's a market for for this type of phone. There's totally a market. As Mike was pointing out, and as you pointed out in Mike's, that Mike was saying in his article, <laughs> Apple tends to use older phones as their more affordable phones. But Google, you know, Google has a new phone, essentially. It would be nice if Apple kind of did, did the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said on here before that I really admire Google as a services company, and it's kind of like you know, it's wonder they have they do wonderful stuff on iPhone and stuff. And I believe you know, my idealistic version is you know, we they should share all that with the world. That's the way it, you know they started off. You know, could do everything through a browser and stuff. But you know, now that they're actually getting pretty decent at hardware and stuff and mixing this all together, it's like. Yeah, Apple, especially with things like AR and stuff, you need to you need to worry. And this is this is a good direction, I think. Uh, I'm sorry, I know I see a lot of tech journalists going, "Ooh, my Pixel, ooh, it's like that." I still prefer my iPhone, but you know, this, they're doing some cool things. They're doing cool things, and I think there's this perception that Google they make hardware, but they're not selling in large quantities. Right. But I don't think that's Google's purpose. Right. I, I think they're releasing the hardware to prove the potential of their technology not to sell in mass quantities. Even though people who sell product want to sell mass quantities, for them it's more, I don't want to say it's a loss leader, Mm -hmm. but it is more of a product to demonstrate what Google is doing with its technologies, with its its software products, you know, like with its uh, Google Assistant, for example. The Pixel 3a is a very good example of what, is happening with the Google Voice Assistant stuff. Yes. And that's particularly impressive with the the fact that they managed to shrink that down into, you know, where, you know, because Apple doesn't even allow you to do that, where you can use the, the, I I said last week, you know, that there was a case where I wanted to set a timer on my Apple Watch through Siri, and I was in a part of the peninsula where there was no connection whatsoever. And I realized I couldn't even use Siri to set a timer on my Apple Watch. And, you know, the fact that they were able, it was like 50 megabytes, that that's all it took or something like that. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And, you know, you, you really got to celebrate that. But I, I think that's an optimistic viewpoint, and I would like to think that is the truth. But Because, yeah, I, you know, it's one of these things where I would like to see this stuff on Apple devices, too. You know, it, it would have to be through a separate app or something. But Our next subject is about uh, the Apple TV app. Mm-hmm. that came out this earlier this week and among the devices that are supported already these there's samsung smart tvs right so those tvs won't need an apple tv to access apple service and you know apple's focused is trying to focus more on the services mm-hmm. in terms of its bottom line now and that'll be available monday by the way. yeah okay mm-hmm. at dave anna on twitter reacted saying that when i saw apple 
had HBO priced at the same fourteen ninety nine as everyone else. Uh, and then he wrote several Zs. Uh, that said, he loves his Apple TV 4K, uses it exclusively for all his content. It works very well. But Apple TV Plus, he has zero interest in it. The tech is all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I wonder about this, too, because Apple isn't first to the game with all these services. All these services have been rolling out and people have been kind of signing up for them as they've been rolling out right with apple tv plus some of these some people users have already signed up for these services so there's some service management that needs to be Mm -hmm. uh happening they need to unsubscribe or you know cancel certain subscriptions so they can get into the apple tv plus which makes it a little better easier to manage i get that the channels like HBO is a different thing than Apple TV Plus. Like, true, that's yeah. true. Yeah, and so I, I, you know, the way I was interpreting him that he was talking about the channels with HBO, and I, and I agree with you, man. I totally agree. Uh, and uh, but you know, Apple TV Plus, as I've said before, I have. I don't know if zero interest is, but I only have like maybe 15% interest in it. But, you know, when Apple starts releasing its its own content and stuff, but that, that's what Apple TV Plus actually is. One thing I want to say is, you know, I was talking with Mr. Roman in the office yesterday, is the thing about, you know, getting HBO through Apple TV, the Apple TV app, that's the way I'm going to put this, is that it's cool. And the fact is that Apple is actually doing the hosting of the streaming and everything. So you don't have to rely on HBO. And I wanted to, you know, check it out on an Apple TV on my TV last night and compare it versus my HBO Now app on the same Roku TV, I should say, and see how they compared. Because, you know, especially that dark episode of Game of Thrones that ticked everybody <laughs> off. Uh, Jason, you know, kind of gave put the idea for this and I was going to try it out. But uh, I'll, I'll do that tonight, I promise. But the problem with that is you actually have to be using the Apple TV or you have to be using your iPhone. There's not even a Mac thing. See, the thing is with HBO Now, I can... You know, get on a Windows PC and, and a browser and watch right. my stuff. You can't do that with the Apple TV channel. You have to watch it through your iPad. You, you and you can't like I said, you can't even do it through a Mac right now. So it has to be Apple TV phone or that or a Samsung TV. But you can't watch it on my Roku TV. So HBO Now is paying that same fourteen ninety nine a month gives you a lot more wider options. And for me right now, it's it's not worth it. So, you know, so that's. That's one thing, and especially that you're not even saving anything in price. And, you know, with Apple's 30% cut, I don't think HBO is going to do that. And I don't even know. It could be worse or something for channels. But, um, but yeah, I was, you know, I was kind of disappointed by it, too. And that, that is my main disappointment with it, you know, is that I have to access it through Apple stuff. Yeah, that's going to be an issue with me, too. I have an LG TV, mm-hmm. and so there's there's no Apple software built into the LG TV. Mm-hmm. I don't have an Apple TV. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a way to stream if I were to sign up for this to get that content on my TV mm-hmm. th- unless I were to use the TV as a monitor. Right. If I'm signed up through Apple TV, mm-hmm. I can't even use my Chromecast because I can't use the browser to get to HBO because I have to use Apple TV. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it gets all a little convoluted, and it's one of the reasons why I've kind of held back on signing up for these services yet because I'm still trying to find a way to make it most convenient for the way my setup is. And I have to admit, my setup's a little ancient. I mean, mm-hmm. I still use TiVo. 
Right. So. <laughs> well, you know, this, I think this also brings up a, a point that, you know, everybody, you know, the, the famous criticism of Apple's walled garden. I don't think, you know, it was it was a, that unlivable in the past. But now that Apple is making such a big push in the services, we are really starting to see the limitations of that, you know, when we're trying to use Apple's own stuff. And, right. you know. HomePod was the big hint of that with, you know, Apple Music being tied to it and not being able to use it. But now when it's it's like TV and you have these big TVs and Apple doesn't make actual TVs. And I remember yesterday you asked me if it, you know, I could do it through AirPlay. Nope, I cannot. These are the big limitations of that. And you're paying the same price. and But just going, paying the same price through HBO's own service allows you to, uh, you know, get it without anywhere, basically, with no problems. Yeah. And then there is another thing that's not necessarily tied to just to Apple is that there are now so many services and stuff that I have a feeling I'm going to end up paying more than I yeah. did with my with my cable bill. So, mm-hmm. anyways, this market is still in its early development, and we'll see how it pans out. Uh, our next topic is in regards to the Beats Power Beats Pro review. <laughs> say that three times fast. In our review, we say that they sound better than Apple's popular AirPods, and one Macworld reader has a possible way to make the AirPods sound better. It's uh, This was posted on Twitter by at NTS Devonport, mm-hmm. and he says that his gripes with the bass response of AirPods are solved by small foam covers. They still fit in the case and are more secure in the ear canal. He has yet to hear any sealed in-ear buds that sound better than the AirPods thus equipped. That includes $400 plus Pro Audio buds. So yeah, I think you can find third-party phone covers that you can attach to the AirPods Mm -hmm. to make them sound better. The thing with the AirPods for me is that, I don't know if my ears are giant or not, but they don't feel as secure as they should be, in my ears at least. They don't feel... I should probably use some sort of phone covers just to make them feel more secure. But I do like the idea that because I usually would wear my AirPods, I've I've since lost them. Oh, wow. So, But I would wear them on my commute Uh and, you know, walking to the bus station and stuff like that. So I like to be able to hear the outside noise. So that's, you know, that's kind of a trade-off. Do I want to seal myself off from hearing outside noise but get better sound quality so that's always the trade-off that not just better sound quality for me but a better fit i on the other hand have one of those ears that are perfectly made for <laughs> airpods and I, when i look around at other people wearing airpods and in san francisco it is very easy to do that um but uh you know i notice other people do the same thing you can make airpods sound amazing like That's the airpod if you just tap them in your ears a little more now the thing is they're not going to like you know th- that does give you some passive noise cancellation because you and it doesn't make them it, you know they do look like you're sticking out just a tad it's not like you know it's you know frankenstein's monster or something where it's coming out but it's uh you know if you put them in yeah they they sound amazing the bass is good and everything else like that so yeah it's already kind of you know built in there and you know the thing is that that only works i mean it it does actually work for a while if you're walking around but i especially do that when i'm on the subway and so i'll I'll push them a little further into my ears and so it kind of does that same thing with the phone 
I think they people really underestimate how good they sound. And, they, you know, that was one thing, you know, I did that uh, impressions piece on the Galaxy Buds. And, you know, I know a lot of people jumped on me on YouTube because I said that the AirPods sound better. I'm sorry. They do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was that was what because I did the same thing and they had the phone tips on them. Actually. Yeah. And, you know, I was seeing the rubbery tips and I was seeing, you know, how they sounded and it, they sound very almost tinny is a hard word but that it's it's it leans in that direction i have not personally used the beats power beats pro so i would be interested to see how they compare but especially with my one little trick of sticking them further in my ear <laughs> so if you're interested in reading our review we have a link to the review of the beats power beats pro we also have a review of the uh, newest airpods if you want to catch up on that mm-hmm. Our next topic is in regards to Google I.O., which happened last week. During the company's keynote, Google made a point to talk about how the company takes your privacy seriously. They had a couple of examples of how they were making strides towards protecting user privacy, which Google has been criticized for in the past. Uh, Lars Anderson on Facebook wrote, Google is taking privacy seriously? Whose privacy? Please remember how Google business model works. Google is selling your privacy. So I have to admit, when I see headlines or I hear people talk about Google taking privacy seriously, I roll my eyes. Right. And I don't know if you can hear <laughs> I roll my <laughs> eyes. That's how hard I try to roll my eyes. Because it doesn't seem to go together. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Because Google has built such a reputation of collecting data and selling that data and monetizing that data and, you know, using it to their advantage. Yeah, never uh, forget, that's how they do all that amazing stuff yeah, and AR and stuff yeah. is by using your data. Obviously, a lot of people are okay with it because people, tons of people use Google products. I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it to a point. Yes. So I was kind of in large as boat when i was watching google io and saw some of their slides talk about privacy and things like that and i kind of went yeah whatever mm-hmm. you know we'll see we'll see what what really happens when you guys are implementing this stuff so i totally get where Lars is coming from on this well mike's piece was actually mike is the unique guy among us because he managed to straddle both worlds pretty you know yeah, pretty balanced. But you know, he, he was. Uh, but you know, you're showing that. But with the second generation assistant, Google is proving that it can both collect and protect your data. And you know, he pointed out Pichai's uh, op-ed in the New York Times where he was talking about how he was basically saying the same thing as Apple's differential privacy approach, where they were trying to do something called federated learning. But the thing is, is you know, it doesn't go into a lot of detail of how this federated learning learning works. So I'd be interested to to see how and jason seems pretty you know big on the fact that you know google is using our our data but it protects it too but it's just like one slip one leak and that's that's that yeah i guess because of the recent news with especially with facebook yeah you know and i know google and facebook are totally different companies but you can't help but think well if facebook is doing this Mm Google might be doing it too. It just hasn't been reported yet or something like that. And I know that's not fair, but you you can't help but think that right. sometimes. Yeah, Google famously move, removing don't be evil from its uh, mission <laughs> statement. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Like I said, I, I use Google products. I do hesitate to use some some of it sometimes because just because I don't know if I can trust them with my with – my, it, it's weird. I feel like I'm being watched sometimes. Right. And so, and that's not a very nice, good feeling. So, 
maybe I'm just being paranoid. No, there, there's some truth to it. It's you know, and you know, and I, and I think it's interesting because the the whole reason people like Google and to a more laughable extent Facebook are bringing <laughs> up this extent, you know, uh, you know, bringing privacy in the conversation is because Apple has made it such a a big sticking point. And you know, I know some people are cynical about Apple too, but come on guys it actually is better and that's that is some of our problems with our limitations with siri and stuff is because apple really is taking it seriously right yeah that's a good point that part of the reason why siri is behind is because apple has to figure out a way to do things differently because it doesn't have it doesn't want to access your data yeah so they have to figure out ways to make siri work around that Mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing to do well, that's something interesting. Do you think if Apple had managed manages to come up a way to make Siri where it works almost entirely on the iPhone without more, uh, you know, without reaching for the internet, that that would actually be a way to make Siri access only what is on your your phone in order to come up with interesting stuff without any information going back to Apple itself. Uh, that's just me talking off the top of my head. Yeah. But if Apple can figure out that way to do that, you know, I know I my phone is my world basically. If, right. You know, there's enough information on there to be able to call up people and uh, find directions and all that other cool stuff, which it already does. There, there was something I was wanting to write is that, you know, there, there are some things that Siri is actually really good at compared to, like, I was using Alexa, and this is not Google Assistant, but I was using Alexa, and I always set my alarms. Lately, I've been setting my alarms through Alexa, and so I usually set about three alarms to wake myself up in the morning. With Siri, I can tell her, turn off all alarms, and they turn off. With Alexa, I have to turn all those off individually. Mm. There are some things that Siri is actually good at. I just, we, as we've said often said, I would like to be better. Yeah. Our final topic for the show today is in response to a Macalope article that was posted. We'll call this Tim Cook's existential failure. <laughs> in a recent Inc. article, this was, a, I think it was a guest article posted by an analyst, I think, or something like that. Uh, criticizes Apple CEO for basically not being more like Steve Jobs. One reader, uh, Mark Fearing, has a thought about this. Uh, he posted on Facebook that he says that, I, I would guess that history will prove that not trying to replicate Steve Jobs is one of the things that kept Apple vital and growing, which it has since Tim took over. The mistake would be trying to do the same thing over and over and not play to an individual's strength. He was never going to be Steve Jobs. No one was. And no one will be Bezos or whatever visionary you want to put up. When Walt Disney died, the company was in a huge mess. Steve and the Apple board did the right thing, planning and putting into place a way to take what was working best and try to push it forward. You know, it's funny. Tim Cook's been CEO of Apple for how many years now? Didn't he just celebrate his anniversary? Yeah, it was like a tense 12, 2012, I think. I it's been a while. And yeah. we still have people saying... He sucks because he's not like Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Apple's the first trillion dollar company. Yes. And, and the company sucks. First of all, that success, he was an operations guy. Right. He was able, he was always kind of like behind the scenes with Steve Jobs as well. And now he was able to just push that forward. Now, he doesn't have to be Steve Jobs. Where I think that Tim Cook fall short is he has not been as good at finding the right people to you know because he, he does say that he relies a lot on advisors right. and stuff and like 
Angela Rents, you know, I admire what she did and everything, but I, I felt bad about that because that, that I've always said that that emphasis on like luxury and stuff was that blatant association with luxury it was like a mockery of what Apple was all about. And I felt that from the beginning. And but he hired her like pretty quickly after Steve was gone. For, for people who don't know Angela, how do you say her last name? Arantz. Arantz. Uh-huh. Angela Arantz ran the uh, Apple Store. Because she came from Burberry. That's an important thing. She really turned around Burberry. You know, nobody really had thought about Burberry in the 90s and stuff. But suddenly Angela came around and everybody was getting those scars in the early 2000s. You might remember. But uh, especially if you're from a colder climate than this. <laughs> and uh, it was. Uh, but yeah, it was, she changed the Apple Store and stuff. And I think it was a bad direction ultimately. And, you know, recently she left the company and Apple pulled from one of its own and looks is, is basically looking back to go to that and it's, it's little things like that where i i don't know that he's been as good as finding the right people to feel that and i think that's one reason why a lot of people are feeling disappointed with apple apple is still doing great stuff uh, as again you know i don't think apple gets more than enough credit for like face id with the true def sensor i'm sorry i think that's like so much more impressive than folding phones that's some really space age technology and uh, especially when you understand how it works and what it can do. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to be able to find people that have more talent. Yes. Yeah, when Steve Jobs bequeathed, knighted, <laughs> when he uh, tapped Tim Cook to be CEO, he, he, had, he knew what he was doing. He yeah. knew he was an operations guy. And obviously, Steve Jobs felt mm-hmm. that that was the top priority, at least in the near future, be that be taken care of. I believe he understood that what Tim needed to do was then pick people to do the product development stuff Mm -hmm. to be able to be the kind of, I don't want to say visionary because that kind of, that's a big word that Steve Jobs was. Steve Jobs was a visionary. Mm -hmm. But can anybody, how many people can can match that kind of skill? You know, there's there's not a lot. So Steve, and just Steve Jobs understood that. Mm -hmm. So I believe he thought, the way to do it is by committee, essentially. Right. To get to gather the best people. Mm-hmm. You know, whether he, Tim Cook has gathered the best people or not, I think that can be that can be <laughs> debated. Yes. So, but I think Tim Cook is doing a pretty good job, general overall. Yeah, I so, I yeah. totally agree with that. I was just, you know, talking to where I think you fall short in some. Places. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. I I I I agree to a certain point about the picking the people, the talent around you for the visionaries, the product vision stuff. But the thing is, you know, mm-hmm. Apple, it's, it's both a curse and a blessing. Apple has been the company that has come out with these innovative products that have generally set the future. How many times can you do that? Right. How many times can a company really do that? It, it's a hard thing to do. And I think Apple can do it again. You know, maybe it's already mm-hmm. done it with the Apple Watch. Yes. So it's, it's, it's a slower market to develop, but I think it's going to develop to a big, healthy market sooner than later. Sometimes I think that one reason why we didn't get more visionaries like in the Steve Jobs era is because Steve wouldn't let them in. <laughs> yes. And because there was no room with that ego, you know, for him like, ooh, this, you know, he probably would have been intimida- intimidated if he found somebody right. that was like on his level or something. Johnny Ive is good, but I think he works best under direction from what we have seen. And, uh, you know, the stuff that's come out while he's been on his own more or less <laughs> You know, it's been questionable at times. I think, too, the market has changed. So back then, 
there weren't many places for a visionary to go to. It's true. Now there, are, you know, there's so many startups. Visionaries can can do their own thing. There's Google. There are just a bunch of different other companies that a visionary can can find themselves and try and do their thing other than just Apple. Right. So the competition. My my point is the competition has gotten a lot tougher since then. Mm-hmm. There are many reasons I do ad- admire Tim Cook, though, like with the where if you know he was like to that one guy, and I don't remember what it was. And by the way, he he started in 2011, right after Steve died. You know that he said, "If you don't like what we're doing here, then sell your stock." Yes, and I, I really <laughs> admire, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So I think that just about does it for this week's episode of the MacWorld Podcast, episode number 651. Thanks, Leigh, for hanging out and chatting with about. The feedback that we got, the My hot pleasure. takes. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, through SoundCloud.com, or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at podcast at Macworld.com, or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on Facebook. Join us next week as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next week. Mm-hmm.